0: Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Come on, Merry Christmas! This is a good season. Like this is why we gather. This is what this is all about. Like we anticipate this moment all all year long, and now it, it is upon us. It is it is that season. And man, thank you, worship team, and amazing. Um, how about Daniel rapping? Pastor Daniel rapping. Did you guys know that? He, by the way, he has a rapper name. Did you want to tell everybody your... We discovered his rapper name. Uh, he, t- he told us his rapper name at a core team Christmas party a couple of years ago. He said it was Yellow Fever. That's what he said. He said that, not me. So, <laughs> but, dude, you can rap. I mean, you really can. I was like, wow, that was, that was pretty awesome. And. Uh, Hey, if we could have some of my host team come real quick and, and take these boxes uh, for our offering team, that'd be great. I'm afraid I'm going to kick them off of the stage. So anybody that's on our host team, just come grab these real quick. That would, that would help us. I'm just afraid I'm just going to pop them right off the side of the stage. Hey, uh, we are in our series for CORE Christmas. We're wrapping it up today. Our theme this year is expectation expectation. We need a couple more, a couple more. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on up. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to make you do anything weird, all right? Um, our series is about expectation, and we've been talking about week one, we talked about dreaming with expectation. Last week, we talked about praying with expectation, and today, I want to finish this up by talking about coming with expectation. What is your expectation? Like, as you come to the end of 2019, did, did you, do you have unmet expectations or do you have things that you you expected and hoped would happen and they did or maybe as you think about 2020 it's hard to think that we're thinking about 2020 but as you think about the new year what are your what are your expectations for this next year you have a bible we're going to go to luke chapter 2 luke chapter 2 and if you are new to church or you don't have a Bible, download Version. It's a great app, and on there you'll find uh, the New Living Translation. That's what I'm going to read out of. And if you are new to church, Luke uh, was not one of the disciples. He was a follower of Jesus, and he, had, uh, he wrote down all the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, and he records basically the birth story. And I I want to encourage you. I I don't know if you read the Christmas story in your home, but I I grew up reading the Christmas story. Laura grew up reading the Christmas story on Christmas Day. We've done that as a tradition in our home. And I would just encourage you, if you've not done that before, start a new tradition in your family. And on Christmas morning, gather everybody around. And this is the scripture you're going to be looking for, Luke chapter 2. And it tells perhaps the greatest story ever told, and I say perhaps because Easter is coming, which will conclude the greatest story ever told, or we could say begin the greatest story ever told, depending on how you want to look at it. So Luke chapter 2, and if you will um, just afford me, I would like to read a little more than I normally do, because as we're in this season, I think it's just nothing else. Let's just stop for a minute and just enjoy the story. You know what I mean? Like, all the shopping that you've done, some of y'all looking at me like, all the shopping I'm going to (laughs) do, still got to do, all the family, all the travel, all the, everybody just do this. And let's just, let's just be in this moment with this, with this story. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census and because Joseph was a descendant of King David we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that and the importance of that in this story he had to go to this place called Bethlehem in Judea David's ancient home and he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee took with him Mary to whom he was engaged remember they're they're not married yet we talked about that in week one or uh, yeah week one and but it she's expecting a child and it's a long journey i've been there i've been uh and done part of that walk i I have no idea how they did that i did it on a bus i don't know how they did it on a donkey but they went from nazareth to bethlehem which is quite a journey while they were there the time came for her baby to be born she gave birth to her firstborn son Wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth laid him in a manger which by the way is uh nothing glamorous so with the you have your manger scenes you think it's glamorous it's not glamorous at all um it's not a cute little bassinet with the ruffles and all that stuff it's a feeding trough that's all they had because there was no room at the inn in the old school King James that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby somebody say nearby That's critical. They're guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified but the angel reassured them don't be afraid which is what an angel always says every time they show up in scripture don't be afraid remember i talked about this last week they're not the cute little angel on the top of your tree you know the one with the little butterfly wings and the little uh satin gown and the blonde hair why do we, why do angels always look that way this is more like the terminator okay that's what this is really like more like the terminator coming at you and and he says don't be afraid because I got some good news and it's going to be joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. Again, here it is, the city of David. You're going to recognize him by the sign. You're going to find a baby, wrapped, snugly in strips of cloth lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. That's how we know that it was more Terminator-like because it was armies. They said this, and this is a pretty famous quoted scripture, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, they found Mary and Joseph, and, and there was the baby. There it was, church. This is the moment. The prophets had spoken about, that the Lord had spoken about, that, that we have talked about for 2,000 years, like there, this is... This is it. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who had heard the shepherd's story. They were astonished. But Mary, she kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. So you are going to have an encounter with God today, but you're going to have to go back to your flocks. Make no mistake about it, the encounter you're going to have with Christ today is going to be on the inside, in your soul, in your heart, and in your mind, the transforming work he does on the inside. But you got to get up and you've got, you got to go back to your flock. you got to go back to your family. you got to go back to work. Nothing's going to look different tomorrow morning when you wake up, but everything is going to be different because you have had an encounter with the living God. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for this season that we can just stop and And just focus for a moment on the beauty and the majesty and the glory of our Savior Jesus. In his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, it's this time of year that we all, uh, at least I think a lot of us, um, we kind of get into the, uh, not just the Christmas season, but the Christmas movies. And everybody's got their favorite that they want to see at Christmas time, for some of you, you're, you're old school. This is your uh, favorite Christmas. Anybody? This is your favorite? All right, got some old-school people. OK. One of the most iconic scenes in all of all Christmas movies. And so if that's not your favorite, maybe, maybe this one right here is your favorite. Anybody? Yeah, anybody who's loud likes this movie. Uh, One of the most quoted movies, Santa, Uh, out there, you did it, congratulations, the world's greatest cup of coffee, so many great lines from that movie, or maybe it's this one right here, anybody, how many of that's your favorite, lot, love that one, I like this one because of the, go back, no, go back, go back, go back, go back, hang on, you did it too quick, go back, I like the subtlety of this movie. Uh, Because you see what he's wearing there? Have you ever caught this before? He doesn't have a turtleneck on. He has one of those little half turtlenecks. And that movie is full of scenes like that. So so subtle. And then there's this one right here. This was very iconic. Some of y'all are like, that is not a Christmas movie. I watched it on Friday by myself, because Laura won't watch it with me. Uh, And and I was like, oh, no, it starts with a Run DMC Christmas song. And it has a Christmas party, has so many quotable lines that I can't quote in church. Okay, so. And uh, this is my all-time favorite right here. This one here. Yes. If you are a dad... How many dads have seen this movie? Okay, you dads have not you this is a this is the best dad movie ever because he's I cry, I've seen this over 20 times, and I cry every single time I, I see this movie. So that's that's a great one. And then, oh yeah, we gotta throw this one in here as well. These right there. Hallmark. A lot of groans, okay. Wow. A split crowd on that one. That's Laura. She um, she doesn't start watching him in December. She starts in January, and we watch the, these are all year round. You know, what's so weird. It's the same guy in every movie. It's wearing the same sweater, same shirt in every movie. This one here, he's a divorced dad. This one here, his his wife died of some horrific disease. This one here, she's a she owns the flower shop. Uh, here she's a school teacher, and what's bizarre is they always fall in love at the end of the movie. Huh, would ever thought that was coming No, wow! I'm on the edge of my seat. You know what's great is whenever you you uh see your favorite Christmas movie and you come across somebody and it's their favorite Christmas movie. It is just such a fun like engagement with somebody that you have because uh like you're quoting the lines and you're uh, and you're recounting the scenes, and just it's like that connection that you have with somebody. It, you know the worst moments is when you come across somebody who's not seen your favorite Christmas movie. Like Pastor Eric, who's a dad of three, has still not seen It's a Wonderful Life, and I found this out this week. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How have you not seen? You ever notice when somebody hasn't seen your favorite, you chastise them? You just shame them. You're like, what is wrong with you? Are you anti-Christmas? How have you not seen this movie? It's the greatest movie ever. It's the worst to be on the other side of that. Like, if you're the one who hasn't seen the movie and everybody around you is quoting the lines and the scenes and they're going, <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't get it. You feel left out. You feel like you're on the outside looking in. There, there is nothing worse, I think, than being on the, the outside looking in. This is nothing worse than than feeling like I don't belong or I don't don't get it. I I think the one place that should never, ever be the case is church. It should never be like that in church, yet often that is the case. If, If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're like uh, the language. I don't. I don't speak the language. I I don't know the the traditions. Are we sitting? Are we standing? Are we raising our hands? Are we? What are we? And you're just nervous, wondering what's coming next. You don't know the the stories. You're like I don't know Luke, shepherds, and wise men, and all these, and Mary. Who who's the who's the dad again? I don't. And you just you just feel. And if it's not that, then then you just feel like you're just not even worthy to even be in the gathering. Because you're like. Yeah, they, they, they knew they would, <laughs> they would not have let me in the doors today if they knew. And even if you are a follower of Jesus, what's crazy is shame and condemnation can keep you on the outside looking in. Like you can be in, but not feel like you're in because of shame and condemnation will keep you on the outside. That I, you know, I mean, I, I, I know I can attend this church, I get that, but I mean, I, I know you're doing a baptism next week, but I mean, I've asked Jesus into my life, but I got some stuff, and I got to <laughs> uh, get that fixed, and I got to get it all cleaned up. And if people knew, like, that I mean, I can come, but I can't really serve, I couldn't really serve, and I certainly certainly could never be a leader or used by God there's some guys in this story that feel very much the same way let's go back to these group of shepherds in Luke 2 verse 8 it says that night there were shepherds and they were staying in the fields say this word with me what nearby nearby like this is the last group anyone would have ever expected to receive this grand ostacious, uh, amazing glorious announcement of the coming of the messiah i mean they've been waiting over a thousand years for the messiah to come and this is like the last group that you would think would ever get picked like in high school these guys were voted least likely to succeed I mean, they showed up at their 10-year reunion, and they're trying to put a spin on what they do for a living. It's like, hey, so hey, Bob, what are you doing? Well, you know, I'm in the chariot business, and I uh, had a great fourth quarter. How about you, Bill? Well, I'm, uh, I'm in the wool business. Yes, uh, people are uh, they're flocking to my business. Yeah, I mean, they're just making stuff up, because they don't fit in and they, they feel like they, they, they don't belong. They're, they're not the social elite. This is not the greatest job that you can have. I mean, just envision this. Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I'm going to take some liberties here. I just envision and imagine that God announces to the angels, it's time. What? It's, they've been waiting all eternity. It is time to announce the birth of my son. It is time to announce the Savior of the world, and I pick you, 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 and he selects this group of angels, and they're like, woohoo, this is gonna be awesome, and they're thinking we're gonna go down, and we're going to a palace, and we're gonna sing for a king, and instead they're out in a field with a bunch of shepherds. We, we all have moments where we feel like these shepherds. I think we all have these moments where we feel like we're nearby. I, 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 I'm nobody special. God would, God would never really use me. I don't have the talent. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the, the education. I, I don't think God could use me. I remember when I was a little kid and I, I dreamed of being in the NFL. I think that's every boy's dream at some point. I'm going to be in the NFL. L. I was going to play for the Oakland Raiders. I was super excited. And, and stop groaning, people. Let me <laughs> preach. It's grief. Talk about Jesus up here, and you're like, I just can't believe it. I don't think I can go to church here. I didn't know it like the Raiders. Anyway, so I, and it was the last time we won a Super Bowl when I was this tall. That's <laughs> the last time we had a winning season. I was this tall. And, and so, anyway, but I began to grow, and I didn't grow this way, <laughs> I grew this way. And my NFL dreams got put on a shelf. And then I thought, I'm going to be in the NBA. That's what I'm going to do one day. I'm going gonna, gonna to be the next Kurt Rambis. That's who I'm going to be. If you don't know who that is, Google it, greatest player that should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and I was going to be Kurt Rambis. And, and, and then I got onto a basketball court, and my body didn't quite move like it should move. And then I was like, okay, I give up that. And I get into high school, and I was like, I'm going to be the next Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> so I got a guitar. And, and, and I started to learn to play, and the best it got for me was an airband competition in our school talent show. And I grew, and I realized I have the voice and the body for preaching. That's what I, <laughs> I discovered. I mean, we all, we all have dreams, don't we? I mean, we all have hopes and dreams, and then we grow up, and, and reality hits us, or, or, or people, frankly, hit us, or... The mirror hits us, and we're like, yeah, I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be out in, in the field if you, if you need me. And that's where these guys are. These, these, these are seemingly insignificant men, but they become the central figures in the greatest story ever told. And what's fascinating is we see some clues of something that happened a thousand years earlier that near this field, or perhaps maybe even, maybe in the same field, we really don't know, but we know that in this same area, out in a field, something happened a a thousand years earlier. There was this prophet, and his name was Samuel, and God told him to go anoint the next king of Israel. So he goes to Bethlehem, and he goes to a group of shepherds and, and a family of, of shepherds, and, and, and he meets this guy named Jesse, and he's in Jesse's home, and, and he sees all of Jesse's sons, and he's like, no, it's none of these guys. You got anybody else? And Jesse says, yes, there's my youngest son, but he's, uh, he's out in the field. See, David wasn't even in the house. He was out in the field. He was, he was nearby. Not even welcomed in, not even thought that he was worth anything. Samuel goes out into the field, finds David, and anoints him the next king of Israel. God is writing a story, and everybody is somebody in God's story. Everybody is somebody in God's story. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them right now, and tell them, you are somebody. Come on, turn to somebody, tell them, you are somebody. (laughs) Somebody. You are some body. God wants to use you in his story. And it says that in, in the story that the shepherds, they were, they were terrified. In other words, they're not thinking in, in this moment that, that they are the, the chosen ones. You're like, we've been chosen. Woo, celebrate good times. Come on. I mean, they're not, they're not like, woo, yes, thank you, Jesus, the anointing fall on me. That's right. No. These guys are thinking, we're going to die. God has found us. He knows what you're doing, Bill. And now we're all going to pay for it. (laughs) And they're just like, they feel like "Uh, this isn't good. Angels have shown up. This is not going to be good. Have you ever had somebody ring your doorbell unexpectedly? You know what I'm talking about? You're sitting down, minding your own business. Did you invite anybody over? No, did you invite anybody? No, I didn't invite anybody over. Well, I ain't going to the door. Well, I ain't going to the door yet. We don't answer our doors anymore. So you sit there, you try to wait them out. <laughs> Nobody moves. <laughs> ding, ding. That's about the time if you have little ones, you are toast. They're like, Mom, Dad. They're looking out the little curtain. There's people here, Mom. It's the worst if you've got little ones. This last week, it was um, really, it was, it, was pre- it was very late, very late. It was like 8 o'clock, and I was getting ready for bed. Don't judge me, people. Don't judge me. I go to bed early. And uh, 8 o'clock like, I'm upstairs with Laura, and I'm like, did you invite, I didn't invite anybody, I'm in my PJ pants, I got a ratty old t-shirt on, I look at Laura, and she's got a ratty, she looks radiant, (laughs) glorious as she always does, hair done, makeup, getting ready for bed, that's how she sleeps all the time, (laughs) Bing bing. I'm like, oh, now here's the thing, we don't have little ones, but we do have my mother-in-law that lives with us. She goes to the door, opens it up. And all of a sudden we hear, we wish you America. back, we wish you back, And all of a sudden, all I hear is my mother-in-law, Brad, Laura, Brad, Brad, Laura. I know they're here, they're upstairs. Brad, Laura. I kid you not, Laura and I were like this, just get down. And we just started scooting back. We were huddled near the closet. I ain't making this stuff up. I'm not making that. It's weird, like they can't see us, but we're like. We did not go down. We did not look the part. We just didn't look the part to go down. Later, I found out it was the Surrats and the Fosters and their children. <laughs> Which I, some of you may not know them, they're friends of ours, and on staff, Dr. Foster, and I've known each other forever and I'm like, well, if I'd known it was them, i 'd have gone down. Uh, I think this is how so many people feel outside the church and inside the church, like like the shepherds i i man, if, if people knew, if, if people knew the real me, if they, they knew what I've done or what I'm doing or or what's been done to me, I, I just, I, I wouldn't, I, I'll just stay nearby. I, I just don't have a place. I got an email this week and I think it beautifully describes this feeling. It's a family that's brand new to our church. I'm just going to read you part of it. And I asked their permission if I could, and says this, I've come to realize that the last church my family attended was spiritually abusive. We spent years getting beat up by scriptures. Very few sermons about God's grace and love were presented. We left church each Sunday feeling like failures. And with thoughts like, I'll do better this week, only to miss the mark again. But listen to this, now we leave church feeling energized with the expectation to have a great week. Your sermons have really been speaking to our hearts and we are very grateful to have found Core Church. This has been a place of healing for us. And can we give God some praise for that of the kind of church that we have here, the kind of people that gather here. This is, this is who we are. Shame and, and condemnation are are so dangerous and and so unkind. It causes us to hide out in the field and remain nearby. I'm the only one whose whose marriage is is in trouble. If people knew how we talk to each other in, a, in our, I just I couldn't. I have to. If people only knew. It. I'm the only one whose kids have, who have gone, just gone south and are making really, really poor choices, and I don't know. I'm the only one who's dealing with depression, and I'm taking a stupid pill, and I should be able to overcome, but I, I can't. I just can't let, I'm the only one, I can't let anyone in on, on that. I, I'll just stay nearby. I'm the only one who who struggles with pornography. Gosh, even just last night, I mean, this morning, I'm on my way to church. It's the Christmas. It's it's just got me. I'm the only one who experiences self-hatred. I have have these thoughts of not making it to Christmas, of... I've written the note, and uh, I'm the only one. Though I'm the only one who's ever felt that way. I'm the only one who's struggling with my sexual orientation. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to do with these feelings and these and these these thoughts. And I, there's no way I could let anyone in in the church know about it. I'm I'm the I'm the only one. When God showed up, he went into the field. He, he, he went out in, into the field to those who felt nearby. He went out to those who felt like they were on the outside looking in. I, I like what James, the brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus said this, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. In other words, God goes into the field. He, he seeks us out. He draws near to those who feel nearby. Like this is what Christmas is all about. Jesus drawing near, offering hope, offering healing, offering peace, offering purpose, offering his mercy and his grace and his love, his forgiveness, all. For all people. That is why he came and that is why he is here. (laughs) Listen to what the angel said. I bring you what? Good news. Come on, turn to somebody and high five three people around you. Fist bump and say, it's good news. It's good news. This is good news. And it brings great joy to all people. Like this message is a message of good news and it is for who? All people, everyone. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you're doing, who you're doing it with. Doesn't matter what has been done to you. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter your politics. Doesn't matter your, your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. The good news is for all people. All people. There is love, there is forgiveness, and there is mercy, and there is grace for all people. No one is excluded. No one is left out into the field. But that's so hard to grab a hold of because you come into church and you look around and you see the people. And they look perfect. And they're singing the songs and even some of them raising their hands and they're clapping and they're amening and they're taking the notes and they they got their their Bible. Can I tell you this, that this place is full of broken, jacked up, messed up people. Come on, turn to somebody tell them, I'm broken. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm broken. Just like you, I'm broken. But we don't stay broken. We go to the one who can heal us. Now, here's the thing. The only reason that you feel that way is you ain't been here long enough. Because the longer you're here, the more you get to know everybody, like, I know your story. <laughs> I know your story, Cole. I know your story. I know your story. Yep, I know your story. Mm, Daryl, I know your story. Yep. Yep, Mike, I know your story. I mean, I know your story. You know my story. And Guilt and shame can leave you all tied up and bound in condemnation where God doesn't want you to be. Even for this preacher, I spent 15 years of my walk with Jesus walking with shame and condemnation because I was 17 years old and my girlfriend got pregnant and I didn't want anybody to ever know that story because I thought I would not be welcome in the church. And I thought that people would reject me or look down on me and not, I wouldn't be allowed to serve or be a leader and Listen, if God can redeem this, he can redeem anything. This is who our God is. This is what he will do for you. Uh, it, listen, verse 11, I love the announcement here. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. This, this, this word Bethlehem, it means house of bread. Come on, somebody. That, woo house of homemade hot bread. Bread is my kryptonite, in case you haven't guessed. Add a little cinnamon and sugar to that. Oh, man. Come on, somebody. Now we are living righteous and holy. Look what Jesus says in John 635. I am the what? Bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me. In other words, no one's excluded. Whoever means whoever Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus is the bread of life. All you need is satisfied in Him. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is Lord. Listen, G- Jesus doesn't check your worthiness at the door. Uh, you you can come in. Uh, you can have a seat at the table. You you um, you can come in, but you you sit over you sit over there. You no, I'm sorry, you can't come in. No, you, you can't. No, the guy, you, you can come in. No, no, sorry, not you. The guy behind you and the lady, you, you can come. No, no, no. That's not how it works in God's kingdom. All are welcome. All have a seat. All have a place. Everyone can taste of the Lord, taste and see that he is good. There is mercy and there's grace and there's forgiveness. There is plenty on his table to go around. If you believe that, say amen. Verse 12 says this, you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a, a a baby? I'm sorry. I thought you said baby. You're going to find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago at Core Midweek. Like, this, you see the, the shepherds are like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hang on a second here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, he's supposed to be coming as a conquering hero. Like, we envision Chuck Norris. Like jumping out of a helicopter, a couple AK-47s and a grenade launcher on his back. That's what I picture. Not a baby in a stroller, but Jesus comes as a baby. Why would Jesus come as a baby and not a conquering hero? I want to invite the worship team to come. While they're coming, I want to talk about that for just a moment. Why would God come as a baby and and not a conquering hero? I think there's a There's a lot of reasons for that, but I think one of the main reasons is is his unconditional love. Uh, Where's Dustin and Samantha at? I was going to, are they in here, Dustin and Samantha? Where'd they go? Where am I seeing them? Oh, there, okay, I didn't see, okay. All right, so um, Dustin, Samantha, this is little Paxton. Look at this little, look at this little boy. Oh my gosh. Okay, so here. Come here, buddy. This is, I'm chancing it here, people. Taking a high risk here. Look at this. Look at him. Oh, my. How old is he? He's six months old. He's just looking at mama. Uh-oh. He's starting to squirm. You know what's so funny? When you're a dad and mom holds your hands about you got to hold this baby. You got to hold this baby. What happens, dad, every time you take the baby? They start crying every time. I think that's what happens. To, you know, I think for a lot of us, we, we kind of have this feeling like that's who Jesus is, is that he, he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. He wouldn't want to be in my life. But I think one of the reasons why Jesus came as a baby was to show the unconditional love of God. Because when you hold a baby, they don't care who you are. They don't care what you've done. They don't care what you think. They just give you unconditional love. I think that's who Jesus is. And I think that's one of the reasons why he came as a baby. Because he looks at you and he says... I know what you did I know what what you're doing Um, I know what's been done to you and I know the label that you carry and the scars that you have and the, the embarrassment that you have in your heart that you don't want anybody ever know about But what Jesus says is I I love you anyway. I love you through all of that. See he drew near to us and he desires for us to draw near to him. This is our savior. This is this is why he came. This is what mercy means. This is what grace means this is who our Savior is